This is the This is the word of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verses 1 through 15. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And in this matter I give my judgment. This benefits you who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now finish doing it well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need, so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. All right, what's up? Uh, hey, good to be here. So here's the deal. So um, Chip Gaines, I don't know anything about this guy. I just know that he exists. He's a human being, and he's married to, I think her name, Joanna, Joanne something, and they make millions of dollars now, something about houses. Anyways, and then I hear these stories about Chip's got long hair now. Oh my goodness, what? Chip's got long hair. This is a life-altering moment that we all need to be talking about, right? Again, I'm joking because I have no, I, no clue what I'm talking about other than I'm hearing that people are telling Chip that he looks dumb with his hair. His hair is ugly. He should cut it. Why do people care? I don't know. He's a celebrity, whatever, so you know, he puts himself out there. He's growing his hair, apparently, to donate it to a charity, like for locks of love kind of thing, except he's donating it. From what I understand, I think I read this correctly, is to Children with Hair Loss, which is actually a local nonprofit right here in Down River, started by one of our South Point people, Regina Villamore. She's the founder and president of Children with Hair Loss. So he's donating his hair, so he's growing it out long, and now I think he just cut it so it's bald, and people are like, you look ugly with bald hair. And then he gave like $500,000 or something to St. Jude's Cancer Research and then other things and trying to get people to raise money. Okay, here's, here's the thing I'm using this for a moment because we look at Chip Gaines and some people can look at him and go like, wow, Chip Gaines, you are awesome. Look at him. He is so generous, so cool. I mean, he's got long hair. He does stuff with houses. They make millions, and they're giving away money. Some people can look at Chip Gaines and be like, dude's a bajillionaire. What's $500,000 to him? What's up with the hair? We make the moment, what we do as human beings, this is so, we're fickle, 
But we take a moment, right? This one moment in history, we look at something, we watch something, and then we make our own stories about it. We presume things, but we never want to know the backstory. Why? Why does Chip, does anybody, nobody cares. There's like, you're either like, well, Chip's got billions of dollars. He can give away $500,000, it's not a big deal. I can't do that. I can't be Chip Gaines. Or, wow, he's so cool but I can never be Chip Gaines because I can't grow long hair. I would look even worse. I don't know. We take a moment and we talk about it and then we make decisions, but we don't know the, the reasons, the whys, the backstory. Everybody has a backstory. What happened to Chip Gaines' life before that moment to bring him to that moment in his life? I don't know. And honestly, I don't care because I don't know and care about Chip Gaines that much. But what I do care about is my life and what's my motivation. And I care about your life because you're here and God cares about your life and he cares about our motivation. And oftentimes, our motivation isn't great. And sometimes we confuse doing things that we think are right with having the right motivation. I think God cares about both. And that's what we're gonna learn here in, like, in, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter eight. Paul is giving the backstory, as it were, to these two different areas of churches. So in the beginning, the first verses, when he talks about Achaia and Macedonia, Achaia is like a region in Greece, okay? And in Greece, that's where the city of Corinth is. So imagine like the states in America, you've got a bunch of states or like a county within a state, right? So Achaia is a district in Greece where the city of Corinth is. And then Macedonia is another area in Greece where other cities like Philippi, Berea, Thessalonica, other cities that Paul and his compadres started churches at, they're in Macedonia. So they're all in Greece, but in different, different areas of Greece. And so Paul is telling the Corinthians, the church in Corinthians, about all the things that are happening in the other churches in the area of Macedonia, the amazing things that are happening. So he's giving them the backstory of what happened and why it happened. So that's kind of what's happening. And what happened is the Macedonian church were getting slammed. I mean, think about yourself right now. If you're, if you're living in New Orleans, you know this Hurricane Ida, I think that's what it's called. Like, you're preparing for the worst, right? This, the, 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 the titles, the headlines sound like it's gonna be pretty bad. Well, Macedonia was getting slammed with persecution. The Christians in Macedonia were being afflicted. The, the text literally kind of says, to the point of death. So people were being persecuted probably for their Christian faith also probably like they were losing their jobs and money because they were not uh, participating in idol worship which is a big deal. And so all of those things were happening to them in a major way. Like life was not good in the Macedonia region for Christians. And so what happened to those Christians? Paul says they had abundant joy. <laughs> Does that describe you and I when we are in a horrible season of life where everything is going wrong, people are persecuting us, or even not just, just bad things are happening? Is abundant joy what wells up, or is that the first thing to go? In this Macedonia region, the church, the Christians, abundant joy was associated with tremendous adversity and affliction. And so they have this affliction and abundant joy, and what is birthed from that uncommon union. Questioning God, frustration, disappointment, rejection, no. Abundant generosity overflowed in their horrible season. 
And Paul, I, I don't want to read too much into this because I can't. I mean, I, I want to be faithful to the. He, he says, that's not what we expected. <laughs> and I'm like, Paul, I think even Paul maybe was like slightly surprised at the generosity that overwhelmed the Macedonian Christians as they were being persecuted. So in this season, when they were just experiencing extreme affliction, Paul's like, it's not what we expected, but this overwhelming generosity, this act of grace came out. Is that indicative of me? In seasons of my life where I'm going through affliction, is that indicative of you? If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, does that describe us? Because that's what, that's what was descriptive of the Christians in Macedonia. So Paul's reporting to the, to the Corinthians. Even to the point in Macedonia, this, Paul says that they begged him for the favor. Please, I mean, if you're a dad, have you ever heard your daughter or your son or somebody like, dad, please, 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 like a, a million pleases later, like I'll never ask for anything ever again. This is the last thing I'll ever ask for anything. The only thing in my life that matters is one please, please, right? You know, that's what a kid, and we make fun of kids when they do that, but dads or husbands, you do the same to your wives. <laughs> and wives, you do the same to your husbands. We just call it adult talk. You know, like, well, it's, it's a really great price. I mean, we're never gonna find this deal ever, ever, ever again. We really need to do this. It's a great investment. You know, like all these things that we say, and we're basically just saying, pretty, pretty, can I please, can I please? They weren't asking for an ice cream cone, though. They weren't asking for a new car. They weren't asking for clothes, a bigger house. They were begging for the privilege to give to other people who were in need. They were begging for the opportunity to sacrifice financially for other people. Hmm. It seems weird, doesn't it? Like, I don't know, that's what I'm saying. I don't know if Paul said like, whoa, that was unexpected or I don't know. But, but I have a feeling it probably shouldn't be as weird as it seems to us. Like, believers, Christians, this probably should be what we look like more often than maybe what we do look like. My own personal life as well, like, I'm, I'm included. Abundant joy in the midst of affliction which demonstrates itself with grace, the gift, the act of grace. The act of grace, Paul says, just like you've excelled in these other things that I've noticed about you, I'm asking you, I'm saying you should excel in this act of grace. The gift, the financial gift sacrifice was the thing that people, you could look at and say, wow, they did this. But the backstory, the thing behind it was the act of grace. Grace was doing something in the Macedonian churches, in the Macedonian believers' lives, which then all of us saw the effects of it. Paul says, how did this happen? First, they gave themselves to the Lord. First, they gave themselves to the Lord fully. They gave themselves to the Lord fully, and then once they fully gave themselves and experienced God's grace and began to live in this new life of grace, they couldn't help but want to share grace with others. Sometimes we confuse the idea of like grace is something that God did and gave, but grace is also a tangible thing that we experience and can give to others. The act of grace. We, we talk about faith being, here's, here's what Paul said, it's his big idea, so we're kind of stealing it for our big idea today, excel in generosity. Excel. 
Notice he, Paul says it wasn't because he told them to out of a command. It wasn't under compulsion. It wasn't out of obligation for a certain percentage or a certain amount. It was simply because they were compelled by the grace of God. The act of grace that they experienced, now they couldn't help but give the act of grace to other people. We talk about faith and our generosity journey being like a journey, taking next steps. And their backstory, they heard the gospel that God loves us, that he sent his one and only son. They responded to the gospel, their need for salvation, their need for forgiveness, and then they experienced God's grace, his forgiveness. They were given the gift of the Holy Spirit at baptism, right? And then they began to experience that grace doing a work in their life. All throughout the New Testament, you'll notice that grace is given credit for doing a work in believers. Throughout the book of Acts, the letter of Acts, you see God's grace doing powerful things among the Christians. God's grace powerfully at work. God's grace is changing without, I mean, with, with effect in their lives. So grace is this thing that we're given, but also we can then give. And Paul says, just like you've excelled in everything, also excel in this gift of grace and generosity. Oftentimes I've heard things, I've said this, I'm sure in my life, that, you know, like, well, my gift, my offering is my time. I serve, I do this, I, whatever, insert whatever thing, this is what I do, this is how I, and I just don't see that in the text here, right? I don't see that being consistent with what Paul is saying and in the, in the Bible, but then also, I hear some people teach that giving is the only, it's the biggest and the best, and if you don't give, then it doesn't matter all the other things, this is the only thing that really matters, and the only way you're gonna be blessed is if you give X amount of dollars. I don't see that being consistent with the text or what the Bible teaches either. So much false teaching and ideas and even ignorance in this, we just don't, we haven't heard what the Bible actually says about this. And in the beginning, what we are beginning to see is God's grace is the motivation. That's God's grace. And it was doing a powerful work among them. And then Paul kind of references, if you're kind of familiar, we've been going through the Corinthians and the, the letters uh, uh, to the Corinthians. And so the, the first letter, Paul wrote them, and this was, he's referencing a year ago. This is at least a year when he's writing 2 Corinthians. And he says, remember back a year ago when God's grace was doing a powerful work among you and you were motivated to give? So in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, he says, now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collection, no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you would credit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. They, the Corinthians, oh, this is the Corinthians, a year ago, they experienced God's grace, and out of God's grace, they welled up and they wanted to help the Jerusalem Christians who were in trouble. So Paul said, okay, well, store up, and then when I come, because he was making plans to come back at that time, then he would just take what they've been collecting, and some of it would have been for the church in Corinth, but then the other part would have gone, the, would have gone to the Jerusalem Christians. He says, remember that? God's grace was doing something in you. And he simply says, carry that out to completion. My kids, when they were younger, they used to be, I'm not, I'm not saying they don't, they're not now, that's what I mean, I just mean when they were younger, they would have these, they were super generous, like crazy generous, I don't know if your kids were like that, you know, they go to church and all of a sudden like, they had like $4 in the piggy bank or whatever and then they would, they would hear something at church and they would give it everything. Or they had a friend that just had a need or whatever, got hurt or whatever and they would give everything to their friend. 
And I remember like as a dad sometimes, you know, I thought I was being, maybe, I don't know, whatever. You you try to make good decisions as a dad and sometimes I remember like, well, are you sure you want to give everything? (laughs) Because you might want ice cream later. (laughs) And I'm not buying it, so. (laughs) Or we're going to the store. Remember, we're going to Walmart Tuesday and I know how you get when you're in Walmart. So you might want to buy something and don't come running to daddy when you don't have money. (laughs) And so I'm like, being wise, the financial steward, I'm teaching my kids how to manage their money, but possibly there were times when I was quenching what God's grace was doing in their life. There's a desire that God's grace does in us. Like, and as believers, as Christians, we should have that desire. We're gonna find some principles about what that desire does in us. So don't take it to the point of I need to, that means that the desire means I need to give this amount or do that or do that. Just the desire. Do I quench the desire? Because sometimes we may say things like, well, I just don't have anything. I can't. Well, well I, that's not true. I have something. But maybe I don't have what that person has. Or maybe, but do I have a desire to demonstrate to excel in this act of grace towards others. The early church was known by their generosity. I mean, the act of grace that they demonstrated to others because they experienced the grace. The backstory for them was God's grace. And God's grace continually did something in them that then poured out of them. And so many times we get caught up in the demonstration of that work of God, what they did, the amount, how often, the need they met, and we get caught up in this, but we never desire the desire. You see, you don't produce the desire. I don't produce the desire. We all like to think we like to do good things, and I get it, we all like to do good things, but the truth is, God is the one who wells up inside of me the desire to do good things. That's what he says. But I like to take credit for the desire. Oh yeah, I thought about doing something nice. Have you ever thought about doing something nice but then not did it? (laughs) I know I have. (laughs) I mean like even simple things like sometimes I'll wake up and I'm like there's this thought in my head that pops up and say I wanna say something nice to my wife, Cindy. She knows I love her. It's it's not like to get something out of it, just something nice in my head just randomly pops up and I'm like I'm gonna say this really nice thing to Cindy when she wakes up. And it's like really nice in my head. You know, it really is. It's like flowery, it's mushy, gushy and it's not to get anything It's not like a little advance for something later. It's literally just something that pops up in my head. But then, and I'm like, yeah, this is, I'm gonna do this. Yeah, and I'm like psyching myself up to do this. But then as I'm psyching myself, all of this is happening in my head. (laughs) And then there's a moment where I'm like, well, but that's a little too gooey. That's weird. No, no, she's gonna laugh at me. That's a, no, I don't need, no. I don't know why it pops up in there, but then there's this, this thing in my head and then I just don't do it. Yeah, forget about it. That's weird, but it happens. I hope I'm not the only one. I'm being vulnerable here, so I look like an idiot, but whatever, I think you probably go through it too. We have desires that pop up in our head. Man, I really wanna help them. I really wanna help them. I wanna help those people. I wanna be nice to them. I wanna do this and this. The desires pop up. And if I take credit for the desire, what I've noticed is that I'm less likely to complete it. But when I give credit, 
to God for putting the desire in my head because I know who I am and I am not the sweetest, super nicest person in the universe. It's God who is doing something and changing something in me. And when I recognize, whoa, God, you're doing something, I'm more likely to carry it to completion. Paul simply says, carry it to completion. Because just like the Macedonians, it was approved by the will of God. You both had this desire up in you, so complete it. So two things as Christians we see when it comes to principles about the act of grace and generosity is we should have a desire to be full of grace towards others and generous and we should carry it to completion. So if I'm looking at the text and I'm being obedient to what God teaches me on this, then I have to ask myself, Mark, do you even have the desire? And are you carrying it to completion? And you would need to ask the same. Are you good with the desire, but you never carry it out because we're not willing to make the necessary changes in my life so that I can sacrifice for others? Or am I quenching the desire by saying, well, I just don't have, I'm not Chip Gaines. I don't have a million dollars. I can't help anybody out. Well, what about the $100 I do have, not the 500,000 I don't have? And Paul says, listen, carry it to completion, not from what you don't have, but what, from what you do have. The desire to give someone a million dollars is great and God would recognize it and say, hey, great, if you have a million dollars, give it to them, wonderful, but what about the hundred I do have, Mark? Again, I begin to quench the desire by thinking that the physical act is the desire. And Paul says the desire isn't the act. Crave both. As believers, we should have the desire and we should carry it to completion. We really should be some of the most generous people around us in our neighborhoods and in our friends and our, we really should be. And don't think it's all about money, but also don't exclude your money. We should be generous with our entire lives, not because I'm a good person, because you're a good person, because you're so generous, but because of the grace <laughs> that has done something in me, that is doing something in me, and that the grace of God wants me, now I am compelled to just give this act of grace to other people. That's what it looks like in the new church, that's what early church, and that's what it should look like in us. So don't take credit for what's not ours. Allow God to get the credit. And let's be a very generous, graceful, grace-filled people. One of the things here we try to do is we try to get back to what we see in the New Testament church, like as close as possible, not add man-made creeds, denominational kind of statements and creeds on top of things over the centuries. What does it look like in the New Testament? And there's so much false teaching when it comes about this. People teach there's a certain amount or percentage, all of these things that aren't true in the New Testament. The New Testament teaches the act of grace being generous and we should be cheerful and joyful about it. We should want it, there should be a desire. But then we wanna frame it and add other things to it to make me feel good. Well, if I give a certain percent, then that means I check that one off the box. Or if I did this frequently, I check it off the box, but that's not what it teaches. Right here, what we're seeing is it teaches that I should have a desire from God's grace to be full of grace towards other. And we should be known as being generous. The early church was very generous, uh, not just to its 
the, the fellow Christians, but to the community at large. And so we as a church try to mimic that, emulate that. We um, are very, we serve or encourage you as well through our initiatives and just sending you out to serve our communities, our schools and our neighborhoods and your neighbors through things that we do and things that we encourage you to do through our small groups, encouraging our groups to serve in the community. We also give financially to meet physical needs in the community, backpacks, Pennington, Pennington Center of Blind Children. Um, there's so many, over the years, thousands and thousands of dollars we've been able to bless because we've been a bless we've been blessed so we can be a blessing to others in our communities also fellow christians uh our care fund here at the church to help members christians who are in financial struggle we can help them pay bills or other things we've helped christians in mexico uh, other parts of america all over uh, canada africa mexico romania uh, other places because we see that in the new testament and so over the next three weeks we're kind of highlighting some Christians that we're able to help, we can, be a, we can be blessed to be a blessing. The act of grace. And the first week right now, we wanna kinda of bring your attention to Jim Toon, who is the acting or the director of Impact Canada, one of the missions that we support, and they openly try to plant churches in a very difficult mission field, Canada. Canada, the Canadian churches are still very, just completely closed um, during all this COVID and all this, this season. It's been very, it's a very difficult uh, work field. Also, you know, they're, they're supported by Christians in other countries, especially in America. And when Christians in America, churches in America tighten their belt, one of the first things to go are giving, you know, giving to missions. And so Jim and Claudia, his wife, have taken voluntary pay cuts for years. Um, they've, just to make sure things go right now, Jim is actually the acting director, but also he's taking over the local pastor. He's a minister at one of the churches because the minister left. And so one of the things that they're experiencing right now, they don't have, you know, much of a savings, they're not putting anything in those kind of retirement kind of things, which is a blessing to be able to have if you have. Um, and so one, his wife, Claudia, is actually demonstrating physical disabilities. So she's struggling physically. And so uh, because we're able to, we're going to be sending $3,000 to help Jim and Claudia, our fellow brothers, sisters in Christ in Canada, so they can continue the mission, which is exactly what we see here in the New Testament. There is a moment when this church in Macedonia, even though they were afflicted, they still financially had something, and so they gave to other people who didn't have so that at some point, possibly those churches or those Christians in Jerusalem, when they had more, they could probably give when the Macedonians were in need. You see that, that generosity just overflowing, helping one another out. That's what it looks like. And people around us are like, wow, you guys are so, no, I'm not generous. But let me tell you our backstory, because God's grace is phenomenal. And he reminds the church of like, remember Jesus who gave up everything and became poor so that you can be rich? He's not talking about you being rich materially. He's talking about you being rich spiritually. Like you're at peace with God and that's not possible except through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ gave up heaven and came here to earth, emptied himself, became human, experienced pain, agony, hunger, all the things that we do so that he could die the death that I deserve, we deserve. God gave up everything. Did Jesus give up a, a percentage of himself? No, he gave up everything. And that's our motivation. That's our backstory. Because of the grace that I've experienced, man, that's what I want to do for others. And so grace is just kind of flows through us. Don't quench the desire. Pray for the desire if you don't have it. Also, carry to completion the desire that's in you. Not with what you don't have, but with what you do have. And then Paul gives us another principle. He, he says here also, he's, he talks about this, not so that others can live in mansions. <laughs> you know, like so the missionary can have 10 houses and 
you know, vacation homes, but also don't necessarily give so that you go in the poorhouse yourself. Like, I use that word somewhat because I mean like, you can feed yourself. Don't give to the, you don't have to give to the point where you can't feed your family. But also, don't call my extravagance my need. You see, he's not talking about the kind of economy that we're used to. He uses God's economy as an example, and then he uses Exodus chapter 16 as an example of that, of God's economy. And in God's economy, this is the nation of Israel. They were freed from hundreds of years of slavery, um, and which is amazing. And they're like, whoo, thank you, God, your grace you've given to us. And so now they are on their way to this new promised land where God is preparing for them. And on their way, they get hungry. Whoa. And they actually, it's weird because they, well, in Egypt, even though we were slaves, we never got hungry. We had lots of food. God, instead of abundant joy, what was the first thing they left? Abundant joy is out the window. They get hungry. Abundant joy goes, so they complain. Moses, their leader, God, what, what do we do? And God miraculously provides for them. Out of his abundance, he provides. At night, he miraculously provides quail. And in the mornings, he provides this bread-like thing, seems like manna. And then the quote is there that some gathered more, some gathered less, but they each had what they needed. So imagine if you were a family of 10, you would gather more because you had 10 people. If you were a family of three, you would gather less because you only had three people. Some gathered more, some gathered less, but they each had what they needed. There was an equalness, a fairness. Don't think economic structures that you're thinking of. Think God's grace it's, his, it's out of his abundance that we have what we have. Out of his abundance, thank you, God, now I can share that with others. Is that, does that describe us, me? Or, or do I keep extra for me? Or do I not have the generous spirit for others? And, and, and as Christians, I, for those that maybe haven't said yes to Jesus, there's, a, there's, a, there's an amazing thing because these people, before they, were, they knew Jesus, they were different. We're different before we know Jesus. So for you, all I can say is, listen, I, this God's grace is, I, when you taste it, you'll see it's amazing and, and it'll probably do the same work it's done in us and you. It's worth it. You're not gonna miss a thing. You'll actually be so much more blessed. That's why we say blessed to be a blessing. Have you ever been in a situation where you've, you thought you were sacrificing, like you were doing something really good for someone else because they needed it, but then after you did it, you're like, dude, I feel like I got more out of this than they did. I, that's why I think just like missions, opportunities, when you go serve the less fortunate people that are in different situations than you, and you put yourself in that humble humi- like position of humility, that's what you experience often. I see it all the time. I thought I was sacrificing, but my goodness, I think I got a whole lot more than they did. God's grace is doing a work in us. Will you allow God's grace to do its work in you? To allow it to be powerfully at work in you? That's our big idea, excel in generosity. And again, you're gonna quickly just say, boom, I'm gonna take it from the desire and the completion to up, he just wants this, or they just want that. You can take what you want, but what we see in Scripture and what I've said today is not that. It's not about whatever you look like when you display or what your display of generosity looks like. It's 
Why? What's happening in you? And when you have this desire from the grace of God to give grace to others, it's a beautiful thing. Paul says it's approved by the will of God, so complete it. Students, if you're in this room or watching online, listen, man, one of the greatest things you can do this school year is to just be radically generous with your time, with your words, with your attitude, with your affection. Yes, with whatever you have, your physical stuff. You are some of the people who are most in a, in a very difficult situation. So much pressure to not be different. It can be so embarrassing to just be nice, additionally nice and gen- radically generous. Please, allow God's grace to do something in you to be okay with being different, to be overly generous, to not worry, like God's got you somehow. And you'll experience not just what God's grace does in you, but others around you will experience God's grace in their life. And maybe they'll respond just like you have. It's a pretty powerful thing. So if you're listening or if you're here and honestly you've never heard the gospel before or you've never responded to the gospel before, then I wanna let you know, here's the song that we started out with was a perfect precursor to this. What scripture teaches, the good news, the gospel, is that you were intimately formed in your mother's womb. There's not a thing about you that God doesn't know. You were made by him and he loves you. No matter what you've done since your inception, he loves you. Other people don't. (laughs) He does. But what I've done, what you've done, separates us from him. And he created you to be with you forever, but now there's a gap. So he sent his son to become human, to live a perfect life, sinless life. And then his son Jesus himself, God in flesh, died on a cross not because he deserved anything, but so that he could die the death that you and I deserve. And because of that demonstration of God's grace, that physical act, then God raises him from the grave, the power of the Holy Spirit. And now you and I today, by faith, we can place our faith in Jesus, repent and be baptized, and we receive the forgiveness of every single sin, wiped clean. God's grace covers us. We're given the gift of the Holy Spirit, God indwelling us to create that new creation in us and then we get to live the rest of this life for him and in eternity with him. That's pretty powerful. That's what God wants for you, not from you. Because you've been trying. I know you wanna do good things. I know you try to be a good person. I'm not questioning whether you are a good person or not. I know you work hard to be a good person. I'm just simply telling you what I finally got to learn myself. I can't fix this. I don't want to be a good person. I want to be saved. I want to be forgiven. And I cannot go undo what I've done. So today, if you want to find out more or talk more about this gospel, about Jesus Christ who loves you, then please text us, email us. Your name, information will be on the screen. We'd love to have a conversation with you. If you're here in person, there'll be people up front during and after this service. We'd love to talk with you, help you take your next step, whatever. But if you're a believer in this room or listening online, then here's the question for you I wanna leave you with. As we prepare for this moment of worship where we're responding is, will you allow God's grace to do the work in you that it needs to do? Will you allow him to produce in you a radical desire, a radical desire to be generous, to be full of grace, 
and a radical commitment to the completion of that desire. It's not about you. It's about what God is doing in you and showing others through you. And that is how we can make an amazing impact in the world around us. A legacy for your family to continue, to start in your family. Here's what we're gonna do. Go ahead, please stand. If you're here in person at home, you can stand or watch the screen, I don't know. But we're gonna, this song, it's a new song Brennan's gonna tell you about it. But we pray that you make room and allow God's grace to powerfully do its work in you so that we can powerfully demonstrate God's grace in the world around us.